Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 566 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains. And we got some good information from Pierre Dorian's interview with TSN 1200. Yeah, lots of little nuggets to take a look at from Dorian's interview. But Ross, we are going to continue with our draft prospect profiles rankings. And we got three defensemen and a centerman to take a look at today. Yeah, a couple that I'm really excited about. So let's get into all that. Plus a check-in on the Stanley Cup playoffs. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Wednesday, May 25th. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way to help us grow is to subscribe and leave a comment today. We want to know which top four defensemen would you most like to see the Sens acquire this offseason? And Pilsy, the reason why is because that was a topic brought up today when Senators General Manager Pierre Dorian spoke with A.J. Jackieback and Brad Fritch on TSN 1200. Yeah, he gave about 18 minutes of his time, and they got into a lot of different uh, topics, ranging from Sens prospects, world championships, Tim Stutzla. Not uh, meeting Ross Levitan? Nah, yeah, somehow that didn't make it into the, the 18 minutes there. Unbelievable. Maybe if they um, went 1,800 minutes, I would have got a nod. <laughs> with what we do on each and every show five <laughs> days a week. Um but I think I'm really starting to warm up to the idea of acquiring a, a top four defenseman maybe a bigger priority than we thought. I think I was just so focused on Fiala and Drew that I, I kind of dismissed the fact that they might need a top four guy. And especially with Jake Sanderson, this is his rookie season. You need someone to help him out in his first year in the NHL, especially if you're going to rely on him as much as he should be relied upon. Like eventually I think he's going to be playing big minutes and big moments and he needs a a steady presence on that right side to make him feel that it's not all on his shoulders when he's playing 20 plus minutes a night. So I'm definitely coming around to that being a bigger priority for Pierre. We put out out on Twitter at send central asking you which defenseman you would most want the senators to target Pilsy. I'm not going to put you on the spot because of course this information just came out. Is there a guy in mind, though, that you have? Or is it left shot or right shot? Because I am going to ask you that. Right shot, for sure, right? Like, if we're looking at the left side, Thomas Shabbat, captain of Team Canada, not a big deal. Jake Sanderson, he's going to be absolutely amazing, and he needs to be given the opportunity to have a top-four role. And then it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Eric Brandstrom here, right? He's still in the mix here. He's a guy that can play left or right side, though. RFA. RFA, so it'll be interesting to see how contract talks go. And then you've got Nick Holden uh, as well. And then even if you want to go farther down the list, you got MDZ, who still has one more year at $2 million. So I think you're pretty set on the left side. But then you start looking at the right side, and you've got Zub and Hamanick, who Zub definitely top four defenseman for sure. 
But Hamannick, I feel like he would best be utilized as a third-pair guy. Maybe you put him with Brandstrom just to give him a steady presence. So you're missing one slot on the right side unless Brandy shifts over. Or we have seen Holden play uh, on the right side a, a couple times. He is able to do that. And yes, I am completely knocking Nikita Zaitsev off of the list of options on the right side. Boom. He's He's got to go. He's got to go. So I'm not even thinking about him as a, as a top six or even a top 10 option. Like, let's just move on from him here. Um, so, so having said that, looking at the right side, someone that's really got my attention, Ross, is Josh Manson. The Avalanche, they targeted him. They knew that he was a guy that could provide some steady defense because they've got a lot of offensive-minded guys in Kale McCarr. I would even say Eric Johnson is a little bit like that as well. Uh, Samuel Girard, guys like that that can really move the puck well. But they wanted someone that can shut the door and really be a shutdown defenseman. And I think that's what the Sens need. I think like a guy like Klingberg or something like that, that's, I mean, he, great player, but he's going to outprice himself in free agency on the open market. And they don't need uh, a points guy. They've got Shabbat. Sanderson's going to get his his cookies as well. Branny, supposed to be uh, Branny Moose Puck. So he needs to have the opportunity to quarterback the second power play unit, in my opinion. So I'm looking for a shutdown defenseman on the right side. Josh Manson has, is on an expiring deal. And he's, he's 30 years old, so it's not like he's prime of his career defenseman. He, his asking price shouldn't be out of this world. And I think he's someone that the Sens should look at. Right when you said that, we just got a, a reply from at Jimmy's Yeezy's. Great handle there. Klingberg checks literally every box. So there's, there's a little bit of... Uh, Great player, there. but he's going to be asking for like the Dougie Hamilton contract, I bet. So like, I don't, it doesn't make sense for the Sens. We'll touch on a couple other topics that Pierre Doria had and our draft rankings. They are coming back. But first, let's see what you had to say about the best fit for a top four defenseman this offseason for the Ottawa Senators. So just scrolling through here, Bert says, I don't know what the options are, but I prefer they get someone with some size and grit that isn't washed. Just a mean, unwashed man. <laughs> Thought that was a funny okay. one there. Jake writing in Dumba and Manson. Probably the top of my list at the moment. Chikrin would cost a ton. No idea how this will shake out. Me neither how this will shake out. There's certainly some interesting names, but also Pierre Dorian, when he acquired Travis Hamanick, said one of the main reasons was because they didn't like the free agent options this offseason. And when you look at the full list, there are some serious question marks when it comes to to defenseman, especially right shot defenseman. And Josh Manson, his price could go way up. Him and Klingberg are basically the only guys in a tier of their own. Now, Klingberg, I believe he's a lefty, but plays the right side? or No, he's a righty, eh? He's a righty. Yep. He's a righty. Perfect. Like Shea Theodore, that's a great, you know, Kamikaze Cohen, he's the guy with the Josh Norris tattoo <laughs> <laughs> on his belly. So take, take his opinion with the utmost sincerity. Shea Theodore, though, Great player, left shot, but does play the right side. Caleb? Vegas isn't going to move him. That's the issue there. Yeah, exactly. I don't think Victor Hedman's on the move either. Thanks. Nice (laughs) try. Give you a heart on that one there, Caleb. Nice try. Um, The name that comes up a lot, though, I mean, Matt Dumba comes up a ton. There's no chance that Fiala and Dumba are on the move. The whole reason why this Fiala conversation is even one is because of the value that Matt Dumba has in Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, the Bill Guerin, he made the move to buy out Suter and Parise basically to save Dumba. So 
it'd be surprising if he wanted to move on from him now. And I think they've got some more, uh, they've got some better forwards coming up in the pipeline rather than defense. So they're going to want to hold on to Dumba over Fiala, in my opinion. Now, Mackenzie Wieger's a name that comes up. The vibes are immaculate. He had that great video when he was in Ottawa earlier this year. Now, he's a left shot defenseman, though, Pilsy. Yeah, I, I think he does play the right side, though. Um, but a the, bit. I mean, when Ekblad was hurt, I think he shifted over there. But it's typically Ekblad and Wieger. And, and yeah. Ekblad's a righty. Fair, fair. And, and the thing with Wieger is he has one year left on his deal. So that's yeah. a mess I'm not really interested Coming in. Coming home, and though. I don't see- Florida's not going to want to move him. I think they see him as part of the core. But I did hear, uh, maybe it was someone even in these comments, say that uh, the last contract negotiation with the Panthers and Uyghur did not go well. So maybe it's not going to go well again when this year is up and the Panthers will decide we're better off getting some assets and moving him. You never know. Yeah, I mean, Chernak's another great one. There's no chance that Tampa's moving on from him. Thank you to everyone who replied in the comments. We do Certainly appreciate the engagement. To me, what I love most about that, Pilsy, is that even after the Hamannick acquisition, they still are openly saying they want a top four defenseman. Now the question is, is it going to be Delzato 2.0 or is it going to be a legitimate option? Many of them just discussed there. We'll tell you a little bit more about what Pierre Dorian had to say and, of course, our draft rankings. Coming up right after a quick word, Pilsy, I believe you've got one from our friends over at Rock Auto rockauto.com yes they've been an og sponsor for us and look guys summer is coming up you're going to be wanting to do your road trips going camping all these kinds of stuff make sure your car is stocked up and ready to go and you've got all the best auto parts and the way to do that is to head to rockauto.com with ever increasing numbers of makes models it's so hard for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need especially with uh, shipping things these days just seems like it's double time as what it used to be so why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions when you're like i don't know what this part is like i I don't know what to do here and you're just stuck sitting in a waiting room drinking crappy coffee don't do that you can have access to all these parts yourself at rockauto.com, at home, and in your pocket, on your phone. So you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or dealership? Don't do that. Go to Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They got everything you need at rockauto.com. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets so you can freshen up for those road trips. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs. Guys, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. You are listening to the Locked On Senators podcast, free and available Monday through Friday on all platforms and on YouTube, where we are putting out our draft profiles one by one. We're uploading a video explaining our process throughout that, so be sure to go look for that exclusively on YouTube later on this afternoon. Pillsy, couple more things about the uh, Pierre Dorian interview today, just going through the list right now. They're in scouting meetings right now, amateur scouting meetings, where makes his trip to Winnipeg all that more intriguing if he wanted to get a first-hand look at Matt 
Savoy and Connor Geeky, although there's only a certain number of teams that are still playing right now. So yeah, divide and conquer. I know Trent Mann was seen at the Kinks and Frontenacs game a little while ago. We just profiled Paul Ludwinski. So is there something there? Certainly speculation season and the pro meetings, pro scouting meetings will happen on June 6th, right after the NHL scouting combine that previous weekend. So lots of speculation, I think will really come to fruition after those meetings. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that gets the ball rolling and what brainstorming ideas the Sens come up with, both on the pro scouting side and amateur scouting side. Yeah, so we got a lot to follow. Of course, we're your home for Ottawa Senators content each and every day, and it's going to be a busy offseason. It's an important offseason for the Ottawa Senators. There is no more tiptoeing around the fact that this cannot be a bottom 10 team in the league anymore. They just can't. There's too much talent and there's too many guys. Tim Stutzel is going into a contract year. That's how long it's been. Uh, I mean, it's going to be super intriguing. Jake Sanderson on track to be at development camp there. All right, Pilsy, what do you say we get into our draft rankings? Let's do it. All right. As I mentioned, there is a video coming later today. We're going to put the card right up there. So if you want to click that as well and make sure that you can see what our thought process is, it just helps. So we're not explaining it over and over and over again, we started the countdown on Monday. We're doing four per show this week, and then it'll be a little bit less next week, and then two per show going in to the first round talent. All right, Pilsy, coming in at number 56 on our countdown of 2022 NHL draft prospects, a guy who's still playing right now in the Western Hockey League Conference Finals from the Cam Loops Blazers defenseman, Matt's. Lindgren. Yeah, Mats Lindgren. Uh, he's an interesting prospect for sure. And hey, he's got some hockey lineage. His dad, also Mats Lindgren, uh, he had a decent hockey career playing over in Sweden for a while. And then he even finished up with seven seasons in the NHL. So I think if you're a Sens fan, you know that's something the Ottawa Senators uh, value is having hockey in your blood and uh, being a kid that's been raised by hockey parents or has siblings that are in the industry because it just it just shows you that they're all in you know what I mean like it like Matt Lindgren he probably doesn't have a backup plan other than playing hockey which is is great for a young kid to be that focused on his career well he certainly has the work ethic that he's not going to let anybody take this dream away from him uh there's a guy his his coach there um sorry the director of player personnel I mean to say with the Kamloops Blazers had this to say about Mats Lindgren. I've never seen a kid work like this. It's second to none. Special kid as a person, very humble, soft-spoken, polite, rink rat, self-starter, on the ice than more than most kids in the summers, always working on his game. He's so driven. He wants it. And you might say, all right, cliche city. We hear that about every kid. But (laughs) to me, the proof is in the pudding. This is a Swedish kid who was born when his dad was playing in the National Hockey League, but grew up back in Sweden. He considers himself Swedish, but Pilsy, he had the opportunity to play internationally for Team Canada. And what does he do? He puts aside his feelings and says, I want the opportunity to play on the biggest stage, knowing that later on in life, if the opportunity comes up to to represent Sweden, he no longer has that option. He is officially a Canadian in the eyes of the national Team or international committee because he played at the youth Olympic games in the under 16s had two points in four games there. But to me, that shows a commitment that anytime this guy can get on the ice, he's going to go and play. 
And Ross, how rare is that? That usually it's the other way around, right? Like it's a Canadian kid that's like, oh man, the competition is too tough here. I can't get into an international team with Canada, so I'll use my um, usually uh, American. Yeah, exactly. So I'll use Brett my Hall other heritage to, to to play somewhere else. And this time it's the flip zone. And there's a good reason why Canada looked at him, Ross. And from watching highlights. This kid is a great skater. And now when I say great skater, I'm not talking about top speed, uh, Flash Formanton style. That's not what I'm saying. He is incredible on his edges. He can move quickly and efficiently in all four directions, north, south, east, west. And I watched some highlights on Ross, and one of the first highlights I saw, he carries the puck into the offensive zone with speed just puts a little bit on his edges to change the angle. And the defender just goes, whoops, like like Mario Kart slips on a banana peel. And then he goes right by him and feeds it over to the center ice and he gets an assist on a nice goal. It's those kinds of things. And he's constantly, like, he'll sit, like, if he has the puck in the defensive zone and um, opponents forwards are coming to attack, he'll wait, wait, wait. And then when they're right at him, He'll pivot and do a spin move and get around them. And he's so good at it that he like it's not it's not a one trick pony. Like he does it often and he does it at the perfect times. And he uses that to gain momentum, to burst into speed, carrying the puck up the, uh, the other way of the ice now. So I think when you have a defenseman that is able to skate, not just like a smooth, nice skating defenseman, but is able to use his edges to break the puck out of the zone. That's so valuable. So I think that's a big reason why uh, Matt Lindgren has had success and why he's still a part of the playoffs right now. Having good defensemen like that is key. Yeah, and not only offensively, but how about for gap control on the back end, yep. being able to pivot and be able to close gaps in a hurry. Matt Lindgren listed at five foot eleven. 173 pounds. He's a left shot defenseman who has 44 points in 68 games this season with the Kamloops Blazers. Had 42 penalty minutes to go along with it. It's his first full season with the Kamloops Blazers. He had a cup of coffee with them four games two seasons ago. And then last year, of course, they were able to play a little bit, but not much. So I guess it was more or less a full season, although pandemic driven only 22 games there. So He's finally producing like those are good offensive numbers. Now in the playoffs, it's been a little bit more of a struggle. No points in the last 11 games. He had a few in the first couple. Uh, So he's sitting at five assists through the 13 games. But Pilsy, zero penalty minutes and plus 13. So that goes to show you he's using his skating to defend well. And when he's on the ice, it is a net positive, even if the points aren't necessarily there. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you're a good skater like him, Ross, it causes or it allows you not to have to rely on taking a penalty because a guy got by you. You know what I mean? Like when defensemen are kind of flat footed and a guy gets by you and you're like, well, either I hook him and take a penalty or he's got a clear breakaway. So I'll take a a quick hook here. Right. So he's a guy that doesn't have to rely on that. And that's going to be huge for him as he becomes uh, goes into upper competition levels. Now, some issues with him, though, is he does struggle with inconsistency. You mentioned the pointless streak he has last six games, no points uh, heading into the playoffs. So that's tough. He's one of the younger guys in the draft, so hopefully some size will help him out. He does have good offensive decision-making, and he's able to read a play and to make a quick pass and know when to use that pivot to get around his man. But from all the reports I've seen from scouts, it just seems like 
scouts are too worried about his inconsistency to really put their stamp on him and say, yeah, this is the guy. They always applaud his skating, but he's not quite able to keep things consistent enough uh, with getting points on the board and uh, having good defensive uh, play. So no one's quite ready to say definitively he's this type of player and I would draft him at this position. Where do you see the best fit for him? Do you see him as a guy Ottawa could be interested in? I think definitely the Sens would have some interest in him because when you get a a defenseman that has lineage like he does, his dad (laughs) of the same name, you got to love that. And when he's able to skate like that, it's those are real uh, good things that the Sens look at. I gave him three and a half stars out of five, Ross, because I think he's someone that has the tools that can be a good defenseman, but he's not someone like... Like we've said a couple of times, I'm not banging on the table if he's available right. saying we got to get this guy. So interesting prospect, Matt's lingering. All right. I'm pulling up the graphic again because I didn't go through the ranking. Scott Wheeler, highest on him, 37th on his list. Craig Button has him at 44. Bob McKenzie has him at 46. And this is one of those rare situations. Maybe not because elite prospects, they beat to their own drum and we respect that. They have him all the way down at 82, which gives him an average of 52 which is surprising five. for elite prospects, Ross, because they usually key in on the skating, and he's a great yeah. skater. Yeah, very interesting there. Also of note, he is a very late birthday, Pilsy, a late August birthday, making him one of the youngest players yep. in the NHL draft. We'll pull up here his elite prospects page real quick. Hey, August 26th, still 17 years old here, and looking at what he's done here in the past, you're you're seeing a guy that at a younger age, was separated from his peers. Lots of points going up there as a defenseman, even as recently as playing in the USPHL. Sounds like a soft landing spot when the WHL couldn't go That's up. That's what but it was, yeah. The points are, are still coming in the in the WHL, but can he be more consistent? As we mentioned, the points haven't been coming here in recent games. But again, this is a guy that's just going to work so hard. I don't think he's going to make it easy for NHL teams to pass on him, especially when we get in to that middle of the second round. This is a guy who I think that Sens fans are going to hear his name a lot on draft day on the second day of the draft, because that's where the Senators first second round pick is. I believe 38th overall, it's going to be right around there where his name will start to be in the discussion as a legitimate option. Coming in at number 55 on our Sens central NHL draft rankings with an average of 51. We're going to OHL defenseman Christian Kairou. And Ross, another guy with uh, some family ties in the hockey industry, his brother Jordan Kairou, absolutely lighting it up for Stunt. the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, so you can tell he's uh, he's had some competition with his big brother because uh, Christian Kairou is also a guy that can step into big moments and he's showing he can get it done too. The big thing that I'm looking at with Christian Kairou Ross is he was one of those rare players where he did get some OHL experience before they had to shut down the year before. He played 21 games with the Erie Otters. Zero points in 21 games, Ross. And now he finished this season with 60 points. In 68 games, like it's just crazy that he was able to go from kind of not having an impact at all. And I mean, 21 games, like that's not 
a full season by any means, but that's a good sample size, right? Like he was getting his time there and no points whatsoever. Not even a, a, a cheeky second assist on an empty <laughs> netter or something like that. Like nothing. And then to have a breakout season where he's almost a point per game guy, it's wild. He was the Otters' top defenseman. He finished fourth in the OHL for defenseman scoring, and he finished third on his team in points, only three points behind the top player who was a forward. So clearly, he was a main part of their offense, and the Otters were really pushing for the playoffs, Ross. They were one point away from making the playoffs, but in their final game, they lost 10-2, to and oh. he was a dash four. Oh. So that is a tough, tough way to end your season. It certainly is. Christian Cairo, five years younger than his older brother, Jordan, who's already established himself as an all-star in the National Hockey League. But Christian Cairo, unlike Mads Lindgren, is the oldest player in this draft. The first day of first-year eligibility is the day he was born, September 16th, 2003. I I still have to pause when these are 2003 and 2004 birth years. But that means he's going to be 19 years old when he goes into a training camp. So for me, this is a guy who's closer to the NHL. And we've talked about all these OHL guys, how they've missed out on so much time. But Pilsy, you mentioned it. He already got to play 21 OHL games the year before most of these other players were rookies. And that's just the way it's worked out with his age being what it is. And Craig Button's got him at 35 on his list. Elite prospects at 37. But what's interesting is no one else has him anywhere. Whereas he's so close to being like considered almost a first-round talent when it comes to the guys who do have him ranked. Yeah, I'm very surprised at that, Ross, because like we mentioned, he had an absolute breakout season, 68 points, or 60 points, sorry, in 68 games. Like, I'm very surprised. 18 goals. Yeah, 18 goals. He could shoot the puck. Yeah, I'm surprised that, like, just his namesake didn't have more scouts looking into him. Like, uh, Jordan Cairo, speaking of breakout seasons, he's broken out definitely. So the thing is with Christian Cairo is he is clearly an offensive defenseman. Like yes. he's an offenseman. That's a, that's a term we can <laughs> use for him. And the issue with that is sometimes he gets into a little trouble in his own end and he doesn't always uh, make sure he's the first one back on a back check. Uh, let's just say that. But his offensive skills, they kind of cancel out his poor defense because he's able to replays and distribute the puck so well. And like we mentioned, he has a uh, dangerous shot from the point. He is five foot 10, 182 pounds, a right shot defenseman, and Pilsy, get this. On NHL's central scouting list, they do a midterm and then they do a final ranking. Among North American skaters, he moved up from 179th at midterm to 48th yeah, in the wow. final. That to me is the sign of a guy who's taken a rocket ship up to the to the middle of the second round. I think is where we'll see him go. Yeah, I would agree, and I could even see a, a team that uh, maybe doesn't have a first round pick, and their their first selection is in the second round, being like, "This is the guy we're gonna put our money on. Like, this is the horse we're betting on." And you probably see it less with defensemen, but to your point, maybe it's a team where you need a defenseman within two years and you're like, okay, he's already a little bit older, a little bit more mature than these other guys. He's already shown to offensively dominate at the OHL level. 
he could be a guy we see as a sixth, seventh defenseman in the NHL already within a couple of years. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he does one more OHL year and then he's in the American Hockey League yes. as a top pair defenseman. Like, that's really the vibe I get from Christian Kairou, and, and I like him. I think... Um, the thing is, he has such good offensive instincts that really you can't teach. Like that, his brain just works that way. But you can teach him to play better defensively and balance it out a little. So I think he's someone scouts are going to be interested in. I like his game, but I just think he may struggle in the pros a little bit if he doesn't figure out the defensive side of it. Because then you're not going to be able to rely on him enough to give him the ice time where he can produce offensively and be paired up with uh, some of the better offensive talents as. Uh, um, on the forward lines, right? So that's where I'd be a little hesitant, but definitely I like Christian Kairou. I give him three and a half stars. Three and a half. I'm going to go with three stars for K- Christian Kairou. I think right shot defenseman, always a piece of value. Come NHL draft, I like the offensive instincts, but when I'm looking at how the Sens are building going forward with their young defensemen, I think they've already got a lot of guys with with some offensive capabilities. I think that, yeah, you're going to fill them out with NHL bodies, uh, more defensive minded and you take best player available. But I think there's other options that I prefer that to say it's not a one or a two. I think that if they take them, I'll get on board with the pick, but I do like a couple other options here, but man, a team who gets him and puts him in the right situations to succeed. Maybe a team who doesn't have a second unit power play quarterback. To me, the potential for him is like a 4-5 defenseman at even strength, but a guy who is going to bring points to a power play unit at the NHL level. All right, coming in at number 54 on our NHL draft rankings here on Locked On Senators, we are going way up to the second tallest draft eligible, a very polarizing prospect to get into from the Drummondville Voyageurs defenseman Maverick Lamoureux. Your initial impression watching the big man patrol the blue line. I, he's not the tallest guy. There's someone taller than, A six than him. A eight centerman. But oh he's my. the tallest on our ranking. Oh my God. Yeah, Maverick Lamoureux. Like this... <laughs> Watching highlights of him, Ross, it took me exactly one half second to point him out. There he is. Like, especially <laughs> in the Quebec League where it's it's a lot more kind of smaller skilled guys. Like, oui, oui. it was very obvious where number 13 was and who he was when I started watching highlights for Drummondville. This guy is an absolute beast. Like, and he uses his long frame to break up passes with ease, get a stick in the lane. He has wide gap control and he is just... Like, if you're a forward and your your coach is saying, yeah, you're going to go up against uh, Lamaru tonight, you are you know you're taking a beating in front of the net. Like like Pierre Dorian said about Good Branson, <laughs> he's going to cross-check a lot of guys in the back, and they're not going to like that. So definitely he's someone that uh, is going to be doing that. And you know what? For his size, I actually think he's a decent skater. And I, I read some uh, reports from McKean's hockey writers, uh, guys like that, that's, that uh, kind of uh, agreed with that, that for a guy who's six foot seven, 197 pounds at this young age, he's figured out his skating and it's not a real detriment to him. Hawkesbury stand up. Hawkesbury, Ontario native. And he actually played for the Eastern Ontario Wild, which is in the same AAA loop as Ottawa, um, the city of Ottawa. So he's got a little experience and, Knowledge about the city being close to it. He's a January 13th, 2004 birthday. We already mentioned he stands six foot seven, almost 200 pounds. 
right shot defenseman, always worth mentioning for that. And not offensively minded, but not offensively adverse either. 24 points in 54 games this season, 69 penalty minutes to go along with it. Bob McKenzie is the lone one of our analysts who have him as a first round talent. Bob McKenzie has him 28th overall. I should mention though that the NHL Central Scouting are also very high on him. They have him as the 20th ranked North American skater, although that's down five spots from where they had him at the midterm. That to say, Chris Peters has him at 39, elite prospects at 61, and then Craig Button all the way down at 71, an honorable mention on Scott Wheeler's list. That puts him at an average of 49.5. Fair to say, a divisive ranking for Maverick Lamura. Yeah, I feel like you can you can easily see the uh, the eye test uh, <laughs> scouts and the analytical scouts, and I'm surprised elite prospects didn't put him as a uh, do not draft. My NHL amateur scouting source told me that this guy should be nowhere near our top 64. They said if I did a top 164, he shouldn't be on the list. So I think some teams will completely ignore him. There's just some question marks about his decision making as a defenseman. But, you know other scouts are going to see the size and be like, I can turn this guy into the next Chris Pronger. Yep, and Sam Constantino, his quote on him was very brief. It was, he will go in the first round based on size alone, period. Like, that, that's that's what he had to say. So, I think you're looking at someone, and Ross, I usually don't dip my toes into player comparables, but... This is a Logan Stanley type guy, and he went 18th overall. And yep. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some teams that say, "Yep, we're taking him," because you can't find guys that big. Right? Can't teach height, Billy. Can't teach height. <laughs> can't teach height. That's for damn sure. Um, but he skates well for his size. Yeah, and he does. I think if you're a team that's looking just to bolster up your size, and a lot of teams heading into the playoffs, that's something they looked at is. Uh, how can we get more size, more more grit on our blue line or just in our bottom six as well? But he is a very raw prospect. Like raw. his timing and positioning isn't quite there. And when you're a guy of his size, like he's probably just relied on his size to use that stick and reach for so long that once players start catching up to him in size and getting over six feet where it's not like egregious, he's still bigger than them, but they know how to play with uh, guys of his size. They're going to figure out ways around him. His timing for his gap control is a little bit off. So guys are able to sneak past him when he's not quite at the right position. So I feel like if you're going to draft uh, Maverick Lamaru, you need to have good uh, defensive player development guys in place to help him figure out his game and to help him really kind of fine tune all those aspects that he needs to work on. Like I'm, I'm looking Ross, this, this is a guy that probably won't scratch the NHL for another three, maybe even four years. Well, yeah, I'd say even four or five, like look at Logan Stanley. He was drafted in 2016. I only know that's Logan Brown draft as well. And he only just established himself this year as a full-time NHLer. And a bottom pair guy at that. Yeah, and here's what really concerns me, though. If you're watching on YouTube, you look in Drummondville. Yeah, not a great team. I don't know if it's super cold in Drummondville, but those numbers certainly are in the plus minus. However, worst on the team. So plus minus, again, say what you want about it, but I think it does have more weight when it's compared against your own teammates. Because those are the guys, and yes, you can say there's certain situations, guys who are out there defending a lead in the last minute, more likely to give up a goal, six on five, all that. But dash 30, 
in 60 games to me is a bit of a red flag. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's, it's a red flag, but also mixed with like a green light. Like you've got a six foot seven right shot defenseman. So you got to take, I was just going to say, speaking of big defenseman pills, I did some crack research here and uh, did play a summer hockey tournament with Matteo Mann, the son of Trent Mann, the Senator's director of scouting Matteo Mann, I believe draft eligible. Don't think he's going to get picked. Maybe a courtesy pick in the seventh round and all that. <laughs> However, he's six foot eight as well. So uh, those those man kids, you know, maybe maybe Tr- Trent Mann sees a little bit of his own son in Maverick Lemura. However, I'm going with one and a half stars. I don't think this is the type of project wow. that the Ottawa Senators should be taking on. I think he's a guy who, again, I love the Logan Stanley comparison, but we got the K train. I'm all in on the K train. I think that it'd be kind of too much of the same thing. And and I'm not comparing the two as players in terms of, I think Tyler Clevin brings a lot more of offense to his game, but man, like you just go a different direction. I don't need to see it. If they take him with the Tampa Bay second round pick. Sure. He's going to be way off the board. I do not want to see this as the first pick in the second round for the Ottawa Senators. No, me neither. But Ross, as you can remember with the Logan Stanley draft, we were watching that being like, oh my God, the Sens are totally going to take Logan Stanley. And then they took another Logan. And they're like from the Windsor Spitfires, (laughs) Logan, and they both play on the same team. I was like, no. Yeah. But I mean, it still ended up saying it probably would have worked out better if they got Logan Stanley in in hindsight here. But Ross, I'm not Not, as hard. Not a Zach Zach Sanford guy. (laughs) No, no, not a Zach Sanford guy. Um, I'm not as hard on him as you are. I I give uh, Maverick Lamoureux three stars here because I think he's a type of player that, He's got a long way to go, but the Sens have uh, decent development guys in place that can help him out. And when he's ready is when the Senators are going to be needing guys like him to come up, right? Like three, four years down the road, they're going to need entry-level contracts to fill out that bottom pair because they're going to be paying so much to their top-end guys. So I I actually don't hate this. And uh, Elite Prospects is probably uh, just They canceled our subscription. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they found our (laughs) subscription and canceled it. But um, yeah. No, here's what I'll say too. And I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but I'm always a little wary drafting out of the Quebec Major Junior League. I lived in Halifax for two years. I've seen the game. They've developed good players out of that league. Don't get me wrong, but it's pond hockey. It's literally, there's not as much system as there is. Like I, I was at the Winnipeg Ice game on Friday. And again, that's third round of the playoffs. It's the best of the best. But that looks like hard hitting, like playoff style hockey. And again, it's third round of the playoffs. But when I was in Halifax, man, they had a sick team and they also went to the playoffs. I got to watch them actually at the university rink because they're, I guess, getting ready for a tournament or there's something going on at the Metro Center. And I'll still call it the Metro Center. We got some Nova Scotia listeners. We'll get a good kick out of that. But it's just a completely different style of hockey. And I think that maybe you could also argue that his game would fit into a more structured style where guys are coming up the wing more consistently at the same pace and he can use that stick. But I, I would just... I would just cool the Jets on draft another the queue. And that's just a personal preference for me. Not saying French players. I'm not. I'm oh, just saying oh, the yeah, queue. And it goes with that. imports as well. No, I'm 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 just being honest. Like out of the three Canadian hockey league, I think that I'm sure the numbers would probably reflect that. There's definitely more OHL and WHL players in the NHL than the Quebec League. I'm sure someone will correct me, but I don't think I'm too offside with that. Seems legit. Yeah. I don't know. Someone let us know. Someone prove me wrong. Coming in at number 53 on our Locked On 
Senators, draft rankings, a guy I am extremely high on. I'm excited to get into this player out of the AJHL, huh? A commit to the University of Denver in the fall. It's centerman, Rieger, Lorenz. Yep, and uh, he plays, if, if you try to cover the AJHL, Ross, we joked about this before the show, There's you only hear about two names, Okotoks, Oilers, and the uh, Brooks Bandits, and all yep. the other teams are just kind of random spots, and they don't really have the pull that those two teams have. Amazing handles, though. We went through the list this morning. Some good team names there. Yeah, definitely credit the good nicknames there, but... Heading into Rieger Lorenz here, this is a guy that puts up major points, Ross. 60 games played, 38 goals, 47 assists, and even in the playoffs, he's putting up points. 14 games played, 11 points. He finished fifth in AJHL scoring. He's a commit to University of Denver next season, so you love to see guys go to prestigious programs like that. And there's a lot to like about him. He was also named the 2022 AJHL Rookie of the Year. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. He's six foot two, 184 pounds. And you mentioned with Okotoks, 38 goals in 60 games. However, and let's let this sink in a little bit. And he's played 14 playoff games. So this is only in the playoffs. And yes, he has 11 points. But Pilsy, he doesn't have a goal in his last 11 games. He's repurposing how he plays in the playoffs and still finding a way to be effective. I love that. If your A game isn't working, what are you bringing as your B game? And Rieger has certainly found a way to make this a multi-dimensional talented player. I mean, they lost in what was the third round of the playoffs swept by guess who? Brooks Bandits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> However, this is a player who really interests me. And if you're like, wait, Okotoks, I know that name. Yes, the Senators have drafted out of Okotoks before. First rounder, Jacob Bernard Docker. So there is a history there with Ottawa going to the AJHL. It's the Alberta Junior Hockey League, if you're like, what the hell are you guys talking about? (laughs) But this is a guy who Craig Button has as a first round talent. 30th on Craig Button's board. 37th on Chris Peters' board. 43rd on Scott Wheeler's. 52 on Bob McKenzie's. And elite prospects playing Debbie Downer once again at 84. It's an average rank of 49.2. Pilsy, what is his greatest strength in your opinion? I would say his greatest strength is his ability to drive a line. Now, we talked he's in one of the powerhouse teams, one of the two in this league. And Ross, no one is even close to uh, Rieger Lorenz on his team. He had 26 more points than the next highest scorer on the Oilers. Like, that is insane to have that much of a gap on a great team. Like, normally those great teams, you get a handful, three, four guys that are right in the same area at the top. Not the case here. He's far and above better than any player. And what he does is he creates space on the ice by being a quick skater. Like, he's so shifty and elusive. He can carry the puck right past opponents. Or, if he doesn't have the puck, he's able to kind of beat defensive coverage and get in open spaces to receive a good pass in a dangerous scoring area. And that's why he's had so much success as a dual-threat guy, because you can't leave him alone on the ice. And what I like, too, is even though he puts up big points, 85 points in 60 games, how are you? He can be relied upon in key defensive situations, too, and he kills penalties. Like, where where is a fault for this guy? I, I can't really find one. Pilsy, I'm going to tell you my my first Sen Star 
We're going five stars with this guy. Five wow. stars. Five stars. I believe I had four five-star guys last year. One of them, Tyler Boucher, at 39. Three, four, or five stars. There you go. Five-star guy right here, Rieger Lorenz. I love what he brings. Wow. I talked about it on recent shows. The Senators, I know they've got a stab chuck coming, and he's a little bit further behind than guys like Pinto, Greg, and you know you've already got established young stars, superstars in the terms of Tim Stutzla and then Josh Norris. But this is a guy you just let marinate at Denver. At least two, maybe even three years there. Mm -hmm. But you are going to get a talented player out of this pick. I absolutely believe in Lorenz's ability to find different ways to contribute both offensively. And if he realizes once he gets to the NCAA that maybe offense isn't going to be his calling card, he's got the defensive responsibility of a guy who can kill penalties as well. I absolutely love this pick for whoever gets him. I would take him as high as the 38th overall pick if that's where he ends up going. Sorry, I believe it's 39. 39, yeah. Yeah, so just where they picked Awesome Chuck last season as well. So that's interesting to me there. But he also got to represent Team Canada at the under-18s after this season. And again, the goal scoring wasn't there. He was put in a more defensive role. And what does he do? Four assists in four games. Pilsy, six plus six and only two penalty minutes as well look what he did against again his his own peer group so take this with, with what you will he went to the edge school the prep school there same school that brought you jake sanderson yep. and jacob bernard docker as well we spoke to both those guys about their experience with the edge prep school 37 goals in 35 games pilsy you think this kid's got some offense to him or what yeah and then, but then look at the other side of that Thir- if i'm reading that right 35 Assists too. So he's oh, a yeah. dual threat guy. There we go. The zoom in helped oh, me out yeah. here. Um, Dramatic zoom. <laughs> he's He can do it all. And I, I really think that what I like most about him, Ross, is, and we talked about this as a, a major thing in our previous years of draft prospect profiles, is do you have the ability to drive a line? And I already mentioned it, but I want to reiterate that. Because some of these prospects, you look at guys that just get put on a line with top prospects and they end up having massive points in junior because you're just right place, right time. And goalies at that level, you can beat them if you're in a dangerous scoring opportunity. So he's a guy that does not rely on that. He's able to get things done on his own. Yeah, look at the point spread there. <laughs> like, it's absolutely insane. Like, no, there's only one other 20 goal scorer on his team and he's got 38 goals. Like there's only one other guy with 38 points, yeah, or more yeah, than 38 dude. points, and he's got 38 Ex- goals this year. Exactly. So his ability to do uh, everything on his own and support other teammates is just incredible. Ross, originally I had him as a three-star guy. I'm bumping him up to a four-star guy. Let's I, go. A five-star guy. I, that's. I'm going with it. That's saying something, and I am not, I'm not discrediting that. I'm not ready to put five stars out yet for him, but I do like Rieger Lorenz a lot. Four stars for me. Four stars. All right, and he's a guy who, again, just brings so much to the table. He will be in the NCHC. He will yes, be huge. at the Ralph at North Dakota, November 11th and 12th. <laughs> Pilsy and I, we're in the lab. We're trying to figure out timing. We're waiting for the send schedule, but I would love to be able to see this guy live in person yeah. next season. Like, to me, the the cherry on top, the je ne sais quoi, is the fact that only one other guy had more points on his team this year than he had goals in 38. <laughs> and then he didn't score in his last 11 games. Like, Wild. Unbelievable. A dual threat guy. Really excited. Hope to hear what you have to think about Rieger Lorenz. All right. To recap, Pilsy, today's 
four prospects. And we're going to do four prospects again tomorrow. And then I believe it turns in to three per day after that. But coming in at number 56 was Mats Lindgren. Number 55, Christian Cairo. Number 54, Maverick Lamoureux. And number 53, Rieger Lorenz. Let us know in the comments as well which one of these prospects you'd most like to see on the Ottawa Senators. Pilsy, a good four today, though. I think there was a little bit of diversity in terms of how they play, in terms of where they're ranked, and nothing like a little controversy as well when you're looking at the Lamoureux pick as well. Yeah, uh, definitely a great group of four guys here. Someone that I, I could see the Sens having interest, at least, in all of these guys. They all have different different aspects of why they're intriguing prospects. But yeah, as uh, this is what I like. As we get lower and lower down the list, you you really, or I guess higher, I don't know, um, <laughs> better. As you get to better prospects. Further down the countdown. Wait, further sure. up the countdown? Yeah, see, it's... I've got us in a pretzel here. Um, But the better prospect quality you get, you really start seeing guys where it's like, wow, this this guy has a lot of tools like Lorenz. This guy's got a lot of size. Uh, There's so many more defining factors that you start picturing fitting into an NHL franchise prospect pipeline, and you can really start working there. So it, it just gets better and better. Coming up on tomorrow's countdown, how many times have you heard Pierre Dorian go up to the podium and say, <clears throat> from the U.S. National Team Development Program, the Senators are proud to select les Senators en fier de choisir Tyler Boucher, Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin. The list goes on and on because guys like Brady Kachuk were drafted mm-hmm. out of BU but went to the U.S. program. Josh Norris, the list goes on and on. How about Jonathan Gruden as Colin well? Colin White too, right? Colin White as well. The, the list really does yeah. go on and on. Well, guess what, Pilsy? We've got two U.S. and TDP players on tomorrow's prospect list. But for today, we say goodbye. A reminder, please like and subscribe to Locked On Senators and let us know in the comments which top four defensemen you would like the team to target. For today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day.